Pray with me, please. Our Father, who is our God, we come this morning, Lord, as peoples gathered here, Lord, in your spirit. Yet, Lord, we know we live in a world, Lord, where sin and death rules and reign. And, Lord, we know we live in a world that daily reminds us that we are just pilgrims. We are just sojourners, Lord, just passing through. Lord, we know without a doubt that we live in a world that reminds us that we have not yet experienced the comfort of home. Truly and fully, Lord, as Sister Cooley and Sister Rosalie just recently crossed over, Lord. And one day, Lord, we also are looking to cross over as well. But for now, Lord, you have left us here, Lord, that we may proclaim the word of God, that your glory, Lord, may be shown to all men. So, Holy Spirit, come in power, for we know, Lord, that you would be a great spotlight here this morning to show us the cross, and, Lord, to show us how much you, the lover of our soul. Oh, God, we come this morning realizing and understanding, Lord, that you are holy. You are truly, truly holy, Lord. And we know also, Lord, that there is no greater manifestation, Lord, of your holiness, Lord, than at the cross. And, Lord, we see your great hatred for sin at the cross that calls you, Lord, even to take the life of your own son. And, Lord, may we see there to your grace, Lord. And, Lord, now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts and minds for the word, Lord, I just ask you this morning, oh God, which only you can do, Lord, that the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditation of my heart, Lord, be together always, and Lord, may they be accepted in your sight. Thou, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I prayed, and all God people say, Amen. Amen. I, I would say about 17, 18 years ago, uh, my wife and I was worshiping in a church here. And on Saturday morning, they would have a prayer meeting. And at this prayer meeting, there will be five of us. My wife and I, another gentleman, his wife, and an older lady. And after praying so many Saturdays, uh, this young man approached me and he said, Brother Morris, he said, I don't understand why is the presence of God is so great here on Saturday morning with us, and then we come to church on Sunday, and we don't really have that kind of experience. And the only thing I could think of to say is, Brother, I say, have you ever heard of uh, grieving the spirit or quenching the spirit. And I said, perhaps that's what's happening on Sunday morning. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to work through us, but for some particular reason, the spirit is being quenched as well as the spirit is being grieved. And he kind of noticed that on Saturday morning, we're supposed to be praying for one hour, and prayer will go on two, three, four, or five hours, up to one o'clock sometimes. And we had great experience. And out of that experience, I began to study about the holiness of God. 
And morning after morning I get up, my devotion is pointed in that direction. And that's why you see me display my emotion the way that I do sometimes from this pulpit because of the holiness of God. I sat here in this church some Sundays and I can see some things and not to undermine what you see, but I have a holy fear. I have a holy fear when I step into this pulpit. And that holy fear is due to the fact that I have had some great experience with the Lord. Some great experience. I sit right there in that pew with tears running down my eyes some Sunday because of the presence of the Lord is so great with me. At home in my devotion, I have that same type of experience, and I share some time with Sunday school class that I just want to run out and gather all of them and share with them what the Lord has laid upon my heart. And this morning, I want to share with you some things that the Lord has shown me in regard to his holiness. And as I said earlier, I'm very, very enamored with all of God's attributes, but the two that I spend most of my time meditating on is the holiness of God and the glory of God. I sat out on my porch, evening after evening, just basking in the holiness and the glory of God. I stepped outside yesterday on the porch as the storm was brewing, and the heaven declared the glory of God. As you all know that Psalm 19 speaks of that. But as I looked at those dark, dark clouds, behind them, I saw the glory of God. I saw who created it and who did it. So I had no fear of what might happen or what might come over that Madison because I know God was in my midst. So I am so convinced this morning that the holiness of God and the glory of God are two different things. One is the intrinsic worth and transcendental purity of God, which is who God is, and that is internal to God and God himself. And the other, the glory of God, is that worth and purity of God going public to be worshipped. The glory of God is God displaying himself in such a manner that we can respond to him in worship. And I'm going to show you something this morning. And when I say that, I don't say that in an assaulting manner, but I want to show you what I have seen. The holiness of God is his intrinsic, infinite, and transcendental purity and worth. Holiness is who God is. Holiness is God's nature. And you know what our nature is. Our nature is a sinful nature. But his nature is holiness. That's what God is. Now glory is when God makes himself known through his other attributes that we can see. Glory is when he goes public, when he displays himself for the world to see. Not just for 
Christian people, but for the world to see. And that's why Psalm 19 says, the heavens declares the glory of God. It is there for all people to see, but hopefully as they see it, and just as you would look on the other side of this wall, that on the other side of that glory that we see, that we will see God. But we can't see him with our eyes. we got to see him with the eyes of our heart. So the Bible regularly calls that which we can see about God his radiant glory. Since we cannot see God's face, we will look at how God demonstrates his holiness through his radiant glory. The fundamental fact of our faith is God, and the fundamental fact about God is that God is glorious. Now listen to these words. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. It says, his glory, he is glorious in holiness. The beauty of the Lord is the beauty of holiness. I'm not sure if what is being displayed is in conjunction with what I'm reading because you know that I read from all different versions of the Bible, so it's no reflection upon the young man here if that's not the case. I just jumped to Bible to Bible to express what it is that I want to see as well as I want you to see. Listen to Leviticus chapter 10, verse 3. Now understand, we're talking about the glory of God. And as we're talking about the glory of God, keep in mind the holiness of God. One we cannot see, and the only way that we can see the holiness is by God showing us his glory. So, I almost want to say the holiness of God and the glory of God is the same. But I'm not saying that they are manifest differently for us to see. Because no man can see God and live. So, and then furthermore, how can you see a spirit anyway? So, God wants us to see him, so how can we see him is through his glory. So Leviticus chapter 10 verse 3 says this, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display, I will show, I will reveal, I will sanctify, I will glorify my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people and Aaron was silent. God is saying the same thing two different ways. He's saying, I will reveal my holiness through those who come near me. And then he turned around and said, I will display my glory before all the people. He's saying two different things the same way. And we know that incident in regards to him responding to Aaron, what had happened there. Those boys, what they did. Now, the primary Old Testament word for holiness means to cut or to separate fundamentally. Holiness is a cutting off or separation from what is unclean and a consecration to what is pure. Now, this is talking about us. This is not talking about God. This is the Old Testament definition for the people's then. 
But in the New Testament, the word for holy is the same root word for saint and sanctified. That's you and I. Now, here's a definition that I have for the holiness of God. The holiness of God is a partness separate, set apart. He's separate. He's sacred. God is otherness. He's transcendental. God is totally above his creation and his creature. God is in another class all by himself. The holiness of God. God has infinite perfection, infinite greatness, and infinite worth. His perfection and his greatness and his worth are of such a distinct and a separate category. God's holiness is what he is as God that nobody else is. It is a quality of perfection and can't be improved upon and can't be imitated. Holiness for you and I are the results of walking in fear and reverence of the Lord. Holiness is pleasing to God because it is living a consecrated life. Holiness is what God is. Holiness also comprises his plan for his people. Be ye holy as I am holy. Now, when Isaiah 6.3 says this, now listen to Isaiah 6.3 real closely and keep in mind holiness and glory. Isaiah 6.3 says this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now notice the next thing that Isaiah say. The whole earth is full of his what? Now, God's ways are not like our ways, nor God's thoughts like our thoughts. Now think along with me. If God is holy, 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 the whole earth should be filled of his what? Holy. Think about that. That's how you and I think. If God is holy, 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 the whole earth should be filled with that. But it doesn't say that. It says the whole earth is filled with his glory. And that's very interesting to me. And that's why I have really gotten caught up into this whole thing for about the last 17, 18 years of studying this. And this is going to lead us somewhere because Moses asked God something. So I would have expected the Holy Spirit to say the whole earth is full of his holiness, but it doesn't say that. It says the whole earth is full of his glory. And that's what we're going on, what the Bible says. But I'm trying to get you to see how man thinks versus how God thinks. Okay? Now, watch this right here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 20. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpets and saw the mountain begin to shake and was full of smoke, they trembled with fear. This is the presence of the holiness of God, and it is a terrifying presence. 
And that's what scares me. The holiness of God. I know, because I have read my Bible, what it has done to people. And I don't want to pay any consequences for that at all. So I have a vast, vast amount of respect for God. Not saying that you do not. But this is very, very important to where I'm trying to take us today. Because we want to prepare ourselves for the next man that's going to stand in this pulpit. And now, those people stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Moses, you speak to God on our behalf. Now, kind of notice what the people are saying to Moses. Is Moses, here's God, here's Moses, and I'm representing the people. So you see that the people are saying, Moses, would you be the mediator between us and God? Because we just can't stand what it is that we just saw and we just experienced. And I'm going to tell you something. Why the people felt that way is this. The people was over in Egypt for over 400 years. And they was over in Egypt for over 400 years living like the Egyptians. Stealing, lying, cheating, committing adultery, doing all of these things. So God comes down and gives them the Ten Commandments, and they see these Ten Commandments, and they look at them, and they say, oh my goodness, this is me. He saw us. So by virtue of them seeing their sinfulness and reading those Ten Commandments, they saw the holiness of God. And they said, get away from me. I don't want to have nothing to do with that. Moses, you go. This is what was going on in the life of these people. God saw everything that they did for 400, over 400 years in Egypt. So they responded to God now because they realized what has happened and what God is expecting of them. And then Moses go on to say, hey, guys, you don't have to be afraid. God has come to test you so that you may fear him. So God showed them their sinfulness. He showed himself as holy, and now God is showing them his grace, not being wiped out. Now look at, listen to this here. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speak to his friend, Exodus 33, 11. But he said to Moses, you cannot see my faith, for no man can see me and live. Exodus 33, 20. Now, if you recall, you know, the interesting thing about God is, he said, no man can see my face and live. We are thinking that what's going to happen is if God show Man, his face, he's going to die. But that's going to happen right then. Now think about this here. Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed him, the command is, if you eat of this tree, you will surely what? Now based upon your, your thinking and my thinking, that should happen when? Immediately, shouldn't it? But it didn't happen. 
So how God speaks and how we understand God is differently. But they did die down the road. So what God is saying to Moses is this. You cannot see my face and live how you are because you will be totally changed and no one will recognize you. No one will know you because for now I have chosen you to do what? To take the people into the promised land. Now I won't have no one to do that. So you can't see my face. You, you can't see my face based upon I have chosen you for a, a service, a job to do. And if you see my face, you will be totally changed. Now, now watch this here, what Moses say here. Now, we're talking about the glory of God. Say, now, what is the glory of God? Now, let us look at uh, Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Now, watch this here. Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is not full. The whole earth is not full of his holiness as I'm telling you that I'm thinking about this really hard. It's glory. Holiness is intrinsic. That's the composition. That's what God made up of. So God has to display his holiness through his glory. Then Moses said, please show me your glory. Since I can't see you face to face, Lord, show me your glory. Now notice here, now notice this here. Notice what, how God responds. He said, I will cause all my goodness. And we say God is what? All the time. God is what? All the time. So now he's saying, I can't show you my face, but I'm going to show you something. Because if you remember, Moses had confronted God about going into the promised land with him, and God said, I'm not going with those stiff-necked people. So God say, okay, Moses, you my friend, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So Moses is now saying this, demonstrate to me, Lord, that you're going to go with me. Show me. And this is what's going on in this verse, and I really like this here too. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, the Lord replied, and I will proclaim my name. And notice this here, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He's going to proclaim his name before Moses. But Moses asked to see his glory. God proclaimed to him his name. In other words, if you understand my name, you have seen my glory. What did he tell Moses to tell Pharaoh? I am who I am. If you understand my name, you understand my glory. That's what he's telling Moses right here. And that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is none other than Yahweh. 
tell him that's who I am. But in this case, God is giving Moses a different explanation for his name. Because he's going to say this, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. The name Yahweh was explained in the words, I am who I am, which implies the self-existing God. So you see, God is promising to Moses not to see his face, but he is promising Moses proximity. Never revelation, but proximity. I'm going to be near. So Moses asked to see the God glory, but God won't our worship to be, he wants to see it, God glory, but God wants our worship to be governed by the power of faith, not by the power of what we see. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, but believe. That's all. We will see God one day in all his glory, but until then, let us acknowledge his greatness and give him honor by praising and worshiping him. We do that by exalting his attributes. His holiness, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his love, his majesty, his sovereignty, his power, and his omniscient on and on. So we see God's holiness is God revealing to us who he is by showing us his character. I will be mercy to whom I will be mercy. I will be compassion. This is God's character. So God's holiness is showing his character his worth, his attributes. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God, manifold perfection. Now, based upon how God answered Moses, we can see the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is God's way of going public with his holiness. And I'm being repetition because I want us to see that the holiness of God is God going public with his glory. And we can see that. And right now, in this room, I can see it. Right now, you looking at me can see a sinner saved by grace, the glory of God placed upon me to stand here and preach the gospel this morning. It's demonstrated. So we cannot talk about the holiness of God without talking about the glory of God because we can't see it. But God wants us to see it. So Moses saw the beauty and the glory of God after being blind by it. We know God is spirit and we, not, we cannot see God with our physical eyes, nor can we see God even after opening our spiritual eyes due to this body of sin. We can't see him even after he has opened 
my eyes. I still cannot see him. But we are going to see that we're able to see him in who? Christ. And Christ is who? God. He is too great, too bright, too glorious, and we could not live if we saw him with unmeditated directness. We can't do that here on earth. But in heaven, we won't be distracted. So then he would allow us to see it. Only then we will be able to see it. But still, as holy as we are, we are just so distracted. Now, I stand here this morning, and I tell you there are two ways that we can see God. And many here this morning can testify to that. And I just made an observation that you see it in me, and I see it in many of you out there. I just pray that there's not anyone here sitting this morning that does not have that in them. Now, if you think about it, we use the word see, S-E-E, and we mean that we finally understand and we discern the beauty and glory of God after being blind to it. Someone explained to you the plan of salvation and you respond, oh, I see it. And you are saying is, I understand it now. So we can see God in that capacity, we see, saying, we understand. For many years I was blind, but now I can see. And that is that amazing song, Amazing Grace. The glory of God that shines. In the reading of the Bible, and it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we see God by seeing Jesus. We know that when he appear, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now, I'm going to camp out here on John 1.14, and then we're going to close up. So let's look at John 1.14. And as we look at John 1.14, just think about the holiness of God and the glory of God. He said back in the Old Testament, you can't see this and live. But in the New Testament, something happens that we can. John 1.14, it says this, and the word, and we know the word is who? Okay, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. There you go. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacle among us, 
So we have seen his glory. Who glory? God glory in who? Son Jesus. And it says, glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I know you and I was not back there over 2,000 years ago. The revealed glory that the disciples and others saw walking the earth. The glory of the word, the glory of Jesus Christ in his first coming. This is mainly a spiritual glory. A spiritual beauty. It's not something you can see with the physical eyes, but with the eyes of the heart, in Ephesians 1.18, listen to Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We can see it in Christ. We can see it. Stand at verse 14. Look at this here. It says, The word dwell among us. Now remember, over in Matthew one twenty three, it says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? There you go. Moses, you can't see my face and live, but notice here, God Born, named Emmanuel, indicating God is with us. So we are seeing the very thing that Moses wanted to see, and God did not even let Moses ask the question. In fact, about it, Moses didn't even ask, say, Lord, let me see your holiness. And I often wonder about that sometimes. Why didn't he ask God that? And but yet he asked God, show me your goodness. Show me your glory. Wow. Just like I was wondering about why they didn't say, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his holiness. I wonder why I didn't say that. More <laughs> it's because you don't know what I know. So yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. The word, who is the son of God, did not cease to be God when he became man. The word, who is the son of God, did not cease to be God when he became man. This is one of the most important events in history. The divine word, the divine son, became human without ceasing to be God. And verse 14 continues. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father whose glory. The glory of the Word, the Word who is God, and what sort of glory is it? It is the glory as of the only Son from the Father. This is no imitation glory. This is the real thing. God himself. The Word became flesh. And he did so without ceasing to be God. He manifests God's glory. It is only in Jesus we see God's glory. Jesus 
the God man lived at a perfect holy life. Think about that now. God is holy. No man can see God's holiness and live. But yet, Jesus Christ lived a perfect, holy life here on earth and demonstrated and showed us the glory of God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm really tempted sometimes to say glory and holiness is the same thing. I want to say that so bad, but I can't. Because I know they're different. But I want to say it so bad because I want to see the holiness of God. And I know I got to wait. Boy, I tell you. Ooh, Lord. Hmm. Now here go here while we can see God's holiness. Beg pardon? Now here go right here where we can see the holiness of God through the glory of God. And I think about those people back in the Old Testament. Man, when they disobeyed a command back then, Man, that was it. But they disobeyed what God asked them not to do. So I understand that I can relate to that. But I'm going to tell you, we, we got it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> you know, I guess I shouldn't be the way that I am with this holy fear because there's something that protects me. But I'm not a person... Michael, that go out and just willfully sin and what have you. You know, my sinning is just a stumbling in sometimes. But I tell you, that grace and that truth, which is none other than Jesus Christ, it really helps us. So, in Jesus Christ, we can see the glory of God, and it means that the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ does not consume us in our sin. Instead, it is full of grace and truth. That's why you and I today is not wet when we sin because Jesus Christ brought us grace and truth. What does Lamentation 3, 22 and 23 say over there? We are not consumed because of what? God's mercy. We are not consumed because of the mercy of God. So grace and truth came to us. But grace and truth did not have to come in that capacity. God could have came as the executor. But he sent his son Jesus Christ to reveal his divine glory. Full of grace and truth. The cross is where the fullness of grace shone most brightly. That is where God the Father demonstrated his favor towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died. God was true to himself because sin was punished. And when Christ died, 
God was gracious to us because Christ bore the punishment for us that we may see the glory of God. And I'm going to close on these words here. And listen to these words here. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And it says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And I stand here today, and I say to Haven, we are the vessel which contains his glory. All the things we are able to do and to be find their source in none other than Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Listen to these words in 2 Corinthians 10.31. We all know this verse. Whatever you do, whether you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now that is a command. That's a command. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So kind of remember that as you go out this week, that there's a command that we want to make the invisible God visible to the world, that the world may see his glory. That's our job. That's our job. So do all to the glory of God. Now listen to this verse here. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. As by the Spirit of the Lord, now, true Christianity is becoming more Christ-like every day. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Let us pray. Father, we come because Jesus Christ brought us grace and truth. And he's our mediator. And when God looks at us, he sees us covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And what a joy it is to know that we can come in the midst of our failure, confessing our sin, that we may see his glory. And Lord, we do commit to you uh, this truth. And Lord, we are overwhelmed by the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And his utter holiness. And Lord, we thank you that we come to a high priest who sympathizes with our 
infirmities, but Lord, who in all of it was triumphant and whose perfection has become our salvation. And to him, Lord, we give all glory, honor, and praise. And all of God's people say, Amen. <laughs>